The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Where are the Skittles you've been talking about for the last two weeks? Upstairs, apparently. I, I want you to know that after listening to both of your podcasts, I bought Skittles on the way down to sailing yesterday. <laughs> yes. Doesn't talk about Skittles for the last two weeks. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> hey, guys. Welcome back to the Other Craftsmanship Podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara, and I'm here with my guest co-host this week, Sean Porter. Hey, guys. How you doing? What's up, man? Not much. All right, here we go. If a cluttered desk is a sign of a cluttered mind, of what, then, is an empty desk a sign of? (laughs) So, um, that was inspired by our conversations that we've been having recently about like messy shops and how do you deal with that? (laughs) And if it's a good thing or a bad thing or maybe not one of one or the other, maybe it's somewhere in between. Yeah. And I recently, relatively recently entirely reorganized my shop based off of one of your podcasts where you talk about shop organization and like how your ideal organization would be and I, I shifted my storage unit from the back corner of my shop to the front side of my shop so that right. I could more easily get to those things but it it drastically changed how the shop flowed and like where my tools were and I'm still getting used to a lot of that and I've found since then that my shop is far more often cluttered right. than not because I want the things that used to be hanging on my wall in front of my bench at hand and they're not anymore and so it's like right just everything is sitting out and it, it just bothers me non-stop <laughs> i'm like i need to find somewhere for this stuff to go yeah because because previously you had your main workbench up against a wall um which gave you the ability to put on that wall a pegboard and have all your tool or to to organize the wall with all the tools and stuff on it right and so moving it out in the middle potentially gives you access to both sides of it but then that tool wall is now across the room instead of being right there with your bench and then because the tool wall is towards the end of the storage rack right when i put a 15 foot section of stuff on the storage rack it's now sitting in front of the tool wall and like Uh, it's three feet away but in front of and i can't get behind it or around it like i I can't even reach my tool wall anymore like (laughs) stuff's got to get cut shorter just so i can get to the tool wall and access things i wonder I wonder how you could 
change or fix that. Like, I guess you could put the, some stuff, more stuff behind you, like behind the drill press section. So you, your whole like drill pad, drill press and your large bench vice and stuff is behind you. Now it was, it's in the same spot it was, but now it's closer to your main workbench. Do you have any more room on that wall there to put up more pegboard and hooks and stuff? I don't particularly enjoy pegboard because my pegs always fall out every time I take anything off of it. that's 100% true. (laughs) Um, In an ideal world, and it's mostly just a lack of energy and time, I would just take the tool wall down Mm -hmm. and move that board because I have a – my garage is bare studs. So when I set up my tool wall initially, I put a 4x8 piece of OSB on the wall, and I'm just hanging stuff wherever wherever it was convenient on the wall. Yeah, putting a screw in and out, just changing it as you go. Yeah, and so – Ideally, I would take all the tools off, take the board off, and move it back into the corner where the storage rack used to be. Because right now, there's just a table there, and I only ever plan on there being a table there. Um, mm-hmm. And so then I could access the tools again, because that wall is bare now, oh, instead yeah. of having the storage rack in front of it. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just a lot of work to right. <laughs> put the tools somewhere, take it all off the wall, move everything over, put everything back up. I wonder if you could make that into like a chop saw station. Well, that was that was the initial goal. Was that that area would have a small bench for my chop saw, particularly in line or at at the same level as one of the storage racks, so that right. long stuff could just feed in oh, and get cut. That space, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I just haven't gotten around to yeah. it, and there's still like it's a garage shop. You're, you're familiar. It's small. It's always it's, changing. Yeah, it's always changing. There's always too many tools in the shop for right. for what's what's in there so like things are on wheels and shoved in a corner and it serves multiple purposes so there's a four-wheeler that's stored in there and uh, all the accoutrement to go with that right yeah four-wheeler that's that's kind of the other thing that i was thinking when i came up when i looked for this quote was like if a shop so if your shop's always like really clean and you only do one job in there like that's I, i don't know i mean i think being a a hobbyist and a person that likes to do lots of different things, we end up having multiple interests. And so the shops change all the time. You know, you have currently your four wheeler is, has a spot in your shop, but then you also have the stuff to go with it. So like the plow and like, and that, you know, it might be annoying, but it's also like a part of life, right? It's just, it's just another thing you're doing in your shop. Like you have the space to do it. Right. So like it take it's taken up some space that may, you know, in the moment when it's there might be annoying because you want to use it for that space or something else. But, but again, it's just the fact that you have that space to do what you want. Like, you know, now, right now behind me is my bench and Sean and I are recording together in the shop here at the art of craftsmanship, art of craftsmanship shop in my basement. And the bench is completely full of stuff. But then I have my middle table in the middle, which is what I usually keep clean as possible. Or this is kind of where the, current projects happen right so like what's behind me can be like a rotating kind of mess of things and it'll clean up and then obviously when we're filming in here all the time it cleans up but but uh i was thinking that and uh you have any guesses at who that quote may have been 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 by you know i'm always really (laughs) impressed that you have any idea who says particular (laughs) quotes when when devin comes up with them because i'm so awful at it like i'll give you a clue he's a genius uh, is that an Albert Einstein quote? It is. Yeah. So, yeah, if a cluttered desk is a sign of a cluttered mind, of what then is an empty desk a sign? That's a picture of him sitting <laughs> in front of this, like, cluttered desk. God, it's I funny because I, yeah, I looked up quotes on for cleanliness, shop cleanliness. That's kind of what I just 
and I found that one. I was like, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want. It's, it's not a shot. It's not a quote about having a clean shop, you know, like cleanliness is next to godliness, but it's a, it's a conversation. It's like a more of like, it's a sign of what you're doing. Like if, if you're cluttered, if you, if you have a cluttered mind and then you have a shop that has nothing on it, then do you have a blank mind or, you know, it's like, is it never moving? So right. I think having that like rotating stuff, always stuff, something happening. It just, it shows that there's something happening. It's like my classroom at school. I like try to actively keep students work out and up on walls and on desks and things like we have Mm -hmm. all the desks are clean at the end of the day. My board is clean. Like my desk up at the front with my computer and stuff that's clean. But then there's like, there's just stuff. Like I want to have that room feel like an active workshop. You know, it's an active studio. So that's half of that, like that mindset of keeping some things out that inspire you. That's, and that was one of my, my favorite things about starting the YouTube channel was it forced me to clean my shop because there's nothing, there's nothing worse in my mind than trying to start a, a YouTube video with your shop being a mess. Like if you're shoving stuff out of the way, it just doesn't, doesn't send a clean picture. It doesn't right. send the idea that you're organized or that you have any idea what you're doing. And for whatever reason, I'm, I recently partnered with a videographer and as as is with the way of things immediately after we partnered both of our lives just got excessively busy yeah, for no reason of course <laughs> and so we got the the first video done which was just swapping out a uh, or putting in the afford and reverse switch on my my vfd right and then we filmed the second one which is a knife build and then it's been a month since then and <laughs> he hasn't even been able to finish editing it right. and like we haven't been able to get back together and it's just because of that it's been you know a month since i've filmed anything my shop is a disaster (laughs) just things are everywhere i'm just getting used to it still and i got you mentioned the uh that garage sale a couple weeks ago oh yeah on the podcast and i got i got a number of nice big tools that take up space and needed new places to go and required more reorganization in the shop it's like well (laughs) gotta figure out how this is all gonna flow again yeah and you recently got a uh an atlas mill a uh and what a lathe a metal lathe yep which is pretty awesome but that then that's another thing that needs a permanent home that's not like a you know a chop saw or a planer that can move around that's you know weighs whatever 300 400 pounds just on its own not including the base so well, you oh, know exactly awesome. how much that weighs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we moved into your shop. It was that was one of the fortunate things where even before I did my reorg, there was a nice, almost perfectly sized spot in front of a window. I had a plug next to it that that functioned well. I was like, perfect. This which, is, is, which is not always the case no, in your shop. No. Like a plug where you want it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not really that's not the case that. in anyone's shop unless you make your own shop, right? Then you put plugs everywhere. <laughs> yeah, actually, to to fix that issue. So my my garage is a two car garage. It has two doors, and then the entire garage had a single fifteen amp circuit powering the whole thing when I started using it. And nice. I would like my air compressor kicks on, and the lights in the kitchen dim. So it's also on the same circuit as the lights in the kitchen. I'm like, oh my god, this is awful. <laughs> and so I ran two twenty volt twenty amp out to my shop for the grinder when I did that, and then striped five 20 amp plugs off of that 220 volt for 110 to the rest of my shop and spread it around so i at least have that on all sides of my shop that can at least provide power for stuff yeah yeah and and the thing also about that is that you are 
you know electric you know electricity like mm-hmm. you've run a lot of electric in your houses that you've done over the years and you've done all that stuff so you know you look at it and see like holy shit like this is i can't do anything with this right i'm going to kill all the power in the house or at least everything that's hooked to this one circuit in my mind i'd be like all right well that's one plug going in let me stripe off of that make you know like i don't know you know obviously i know that like when i try to run one thing and i try to run another thing at the same time like and it trips the breaker then i know obviously i'm using too much power but in the grand scheme of things it's like if i can get multiple plugs and as a single person in the shop i'm not ever really using more than one tool at a time so right. it was never really an issue um, but you did help me put in extra plugs in here which is really nice because then i just have more plugs yes and, and they're on a dedicated circuit which is just for themselves which is cool too so that is nice because i have like grinders that pull a lot and then whenever i'm running the especially my smaller grinder, what I do wood on, I always have like a light attached to it and then lights around it so I can get plenty of light and a shop vac on at the same time. So I'm pulling like shop vac and grinder and lights, right. you know, so it's nice to have um, a dedicated circuit because I've done that combination of things in the past and it has tripped the breaker, mm-hmm. which was a, uh, a extension cord running from the window from my daughter's bedroom above us here in the <laughs> shop out the window along the shop door and then down to the basement and run it off of a power strip in the basement. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's the code. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It worked. It was, it worked for years <laughs> and it still actually works for part of what I'm powering in the shop. But yeah. So, um, how's, uh, how's YouTube stuff been going since we last talked to you? I know it's been, I think we had you on episode like three or four of the podcast. It was pretty yeah, it was early a while on. Ago. We're at episode 60 now. So it was, it would have been in the beginning of July or June that we started in 2020. So it's been over a year. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had a a newborn at the time and that kid is a year and a half now (laughs) and going through a whole new set of sleep regressions where I'm not sleeping anymore. (laughs) Fun stuff. He just started that like two days ago. Oh no. Where he's uh, waking up multiple times. Like today he just didn't nap. Usually, usually my kid, I can put him down wide awake. Like I just go in, sing him a song for 30 seconds, put him down. He's out for two to four hours. Right. In the middle of the day. Yeah. And then yesterday, Kate had to go in twice. And then today we both went in half a dozen times Mm -hmm. and he just didn't nap. And that's an awful way to spend an afternoon. Maybe he's just coming out of that like midday. I mean, that's pretty that, but midday naps go up until you're a couple years old. Yeah. No, it's supposedly there is an 18 month sleep regression. Um, and from what I read in five minutes right before I left, he's he's hitting all of that right now. I will say that I think you guys have been relatively spoiled with his like how well he sleeps. Oh, definitely for the last however many months, you know, like the <laughs> last year, you know, getting like almost good good multiple hour naps in the middle of the day and then sleeping all through the night. Yeah, like has he been waking up at night or just during the day? Last night he started waking up at night. I think he was up two or three times last night, and I think once the night before. That's um, fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's loads of fun. So. But yeah, you're right. We have been totally spoiled up until this. You know, we put him down. He sleeps for two to four hours in the middle of the day. We put him down at six thirty at night, and he wakes up between six thirty and seven thirty in the morning. Like, could, couldn't nice. ask for, for anything yeah. better. His only <laughs> his only one one thing was that he refuses to sleep in a room with other people. Oh, yeah. So if we're ever right. in a situation where we try to travel, and like you remember when we were up in New Jersey, we yeah. had him in the room with us that first night. He sleeps fine until we enter the room. 
And then he's like, oh, hey, everybody's awake. I'm going to talk to you loudly. Wake up the whole house. <laughs> and be really cute about it. Yeah. Like, hi. Hi, mommy. Hi, daddy. You tell me, if you tell me to be quiet and try to put me back to sleep, I'm going to scream my face off. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's annoying. But I guess maybe that's a product of the quarantine, right? Just like because for so long it was, you know, there's minimal amount of additional people other than our like quarantine bubble and you know not a lot of, not a ton of trips and a lot of, not a ton of sound around him in that yeah. sleeping time so maybe that's one of those things that when when our daughter was around that age we would like when people would come over in the evenings she'd be sleeping they were like oh let's be quiet i'm like no don't don't be quiet we'll be normal you know she like we want to kind of train her to be able to sleep through normal conversation in the next room obviously if like you know we're not yelling because she's asleep and she's a baby we don't really want her to wake her up but we also want her to be you know used to sleeping around some noise in the background and not freaking out and waking up and you know having to go in and get her every time so well, now she sleeps like a log right she does <laughs> you know so success <laughs> 12 years old yeah <laughs> yeah so um let's see i'm trying to think what what uh, videos have you been – so you're doing some four-wheel videos for the channel. So Sean's uh, YouTube channel is called Crafting a Life I Want, so you can check him out there. And also same thing on Instagram, right, at Crafting a Life I Want. Is yep. it underscores or anything? No, it's just Crafting a Life I Want. Yep. Okay. That's always makes it easier. Nice. It used to be dots, and that was really annoying. I think it was still dots when I was on the first Crafting episode. I was like, this is dumb. Letter. I'm changing this. <laughs> no dots. <laughs> yeah, I had that thought too when I – made ours and it was like the art of craftsmanship and all one word and i was like should i space that out and i was like and then i remember like i it's funny i actually specifically remember thinking about that and then thinking um of knife talk podcast and jeff when he tries to say chris cash's um instagram handle which is at mount philip metalworks but it's like mount underscore philip underscore metal underscore works underscore something like that so and he always says it and jeff always like bitches about how it's like really <laughs> annoying to say so i was like the art of craftsmanship all one word just nice and easy i don't know i think i just <laughs> thought it wouldn't be available right when i did it so i put dots in that to separate out the words and turns out i didn't have to do that so and you could just change that without like yeah on I the just, same account you can just change your name yep i just changed my name and as long as it's available still they don't particularly care okay. i guess uh what's his name um uh, the the engraver, um, hand engraver. He changed his name, his his Instagram name recently to the hand engraver. Um, I'm trying to think of. Don't remember what it used to be. No, I I can't remember his uh his actual name. Evan Watson. Sorry. Right. It used to be uh Watson. It used to be like Evan Williams or something. It was. It was like it was something different, but it it was like his company name, which is still his company as like hand engraver. But he had changed, and he changed it from that to um, the hand engraver on Instagram. Right. And I remember thinking of that too, like when he changed, I was like, oh, like all of his followers are still there. Like it's not like starting a new account; it's just right. changing your name. Right. You're not trying to get all your followers to move over to a new right. account. Yeah. But. but yeah, so my YouTube channel, I thought about doing a series on the four wheeler. Um, and I was around 950 subscribers when we got the four-wheeler. And I did 
the winch installation on it and i'm pretty sure that it was far enough outside the realm of what my subscribers wanted to see that right. i lost more subscribers than i gained that sucks um <laughs> and so i decided to put kind of a kibosh <laughs> right. on doing more of those videos i was like you know i don't want to push that because this is also right as i was in communication with my videographer whose right. name is neil and uh i was like i don't want to do anything like that i like to get more interesting videos that are a higher quality um and so i did a test video which was uh the the vfd switch the forward reverse on that um and that went really well we both learned a lot because he hadn't done youtube videos before and oh, so nice. we were just kind of feeling each other out getting to know each other um and then we did it's not out yet um but we did a small uh kind of full metal edc knife um where i tried out some new techniques uh, nice. new new finishes on the the handle and uh that's the one you said you finished blade. like a month ago and yeah. everyone's like super busy yeah. well and he got like <laughs> he got half of it done and he posted it on or he uploaded it to youtube so i could right. take a look at it and kind of review what he had done and, and give some opinions on it and keep waiting for the second half to come <laughs> out but but yeah you know my life is busy as well we were supposed to film i think it was last tuesday maybe two weeks ago, Tuesday. Right. And I, like my shop was a mess. I wasnn't prepared. I was like, I don't want you to come over and me be unprepared. Like, I don't want right. to waste your time. And so like, I have it. My shop's still not clean. <laughs> it's so like, you, you can't, I did you some can't use that as a thing. You got to say, come on over. And then you have to take that like 20 minutes before he gets there to run around like a madman yeah. and clean your shop. Yeah, but that's the <laughs> or problem. At least somewhat, it's, not, like, it's not 20 minutes. Well. I spent 20 minutes cleaning my shop and it's still a big side, man. Well, yeah, but you spent 20 like casual minutes cleaning your shop, not 20 like I have to film in here in 20 minutes, which is what I do on yeah. most days that Devin comes over. I'm like, oh crap, I've got axes all over the place and there's sawdust everywhere and you know. I got to make a little bit of space to <laughs> film down here, but no, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole thing, right? That's back to like a cluttered shop is a used shop, right? You're right. Like using it actually before you got here, I had like, like 10 axes on the count on the table. Cause I'm doing a couple axe restorations and things for a friend of mine, which I'm not going to say on the podcast. Cause I know he listens. So it's not me <laughs> <laughs> for this guy. No, I'm not going to say who it is, but. But, um, yeah, so I have, I have some stuff I was doing. So I had a bunch of axes, axes out and I had that stuff that I got from the yard. So over the right. weekend out. And so I came down like, I guess around eight or so. And I was like getting everything cleaned up and cleaned off and shove it into a bucket. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and then also setting up all the podcast gear and have it all. Cause I was like, it'd be cool if it was all like set up and ready to go when you get here, which was just perfect. Got it all just in time. <laughs> yeah. I think my biggest problem was that I had. I had done one more thing on the four-wheeler, which was I needed to wire the winch, and then I installed the bracket for the plow mm -hmm. uh, stuff. And so I pulled all of the other stuff down, the the blade and then the, the poles that hold the blade, and it's sitting on my welding table, which oh, right, I recently yeah. put together with that huge piece of steel we got. Right. And the next project that we're doing requires welding. And so, like, those things had to be put away. And, I, I mean, part of it's probably that I'm also hesitant about welding. Like, I'm I'm inexperienced at welding. Right. The welder's still new to me. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm just trying to get to a place where that feels feels comfortable. And I'm not saying I'm an expert, but right. this particular project does not require expert welding. Right. And yeah, it, that's I, I agree. That's one of those things, like, when you walk into your shop and you need to do something and you just feel confident, go and do it. 
I think that's the thing. Like, like my welder's there, you know, I got to do this, walk over and just weld it. Like when you're confident, you can do something like that in just a few minutes. And it's not a big deal when you like hesitant and you, or if you don't have a ton of experience doing it, then it's like, okay, I got to get ready. I got to make sure I have all the right stuff on. Am I doing this right? There's like so many more things that go into it. I agree. Same thing. Like I have a welder down here. I have a bunch of little projects that I want to use that welder for. And it's just not one of those things that in my mind, it's really quick, you know? Right. So it's like, I can't just, so because of that, it, th- those th- projects aren't even in my mind as like a possibility. Like they are, you know, I'm like, Oh, I have this because I have a welder and I can do it, but it's not something where I come down and I'll just do it real quick. Like I yeah. would, if I had more confidence and more experience on the welder, not that saying that like, that's one of those other things, right? You need the experience to be able to then do that. So you got to do it. But all the things I want to do are things that I want to turn out well. Right. So it's not like I can just come down and like, shit around with the welder on a project that I want to turn out well, I have to like actually come down and practice stuff and like practice, you know, making a bead and whatever. And I'll see. That actually was, was part of my thought process with the shop redesign is that I had my welder inside a closed cabinet and then I had the line to the, the gas tank uh, cause mine's a MIG welder and right. I'm using uh, non-flux core wire. Um, it was just, it was awkward. It was all hidden. I had to like pull it out. It was, it, nothing was comfortable about it. And so I ended up moving that welder and I installed a, a shelf on the side of that, yeah. that same cabinet that fits the welder. And so now like it's out, it's easily connected. I can access the gas tank easily. There's, there's less reason why I right. can't use yeah. it. <laughs> and I'm hoping this next project will, I have to make two of them. Yeah. And I'm hoping it will help me get over that hump of like, all right, let's just go do it. Let's turn on the gas, yep. get everything moving, get it plugged in and, and just push forward with it. But got to get there. When you, um, it's a, it's a MIG slash, it could be used as flux core, right? If you just put flux core in it, yep. have you used this flux core or you just used this MIG when you got it? Cause I know you've used it a couple of times. I've only used it, I think once. Oh, twice. I guess it did a test. Um, but. I had the tank and okay. I had, so you just use it and I just bought right away. Yeah. Like yeah. I had to redo, rerun some wire anyways, cause it had been pulled back in through, through the gun. And so I just pulled out the flex core stuff and put the, right. The MIG wire in. Nice. Yeah. I, um, I, the one that I got is a flex core and I got it at a pawn shop, which if you guys listening, don't ever go into pawn shops cause you think they're skeezy, which is what I always did before I went into pawn shops. Now, anytime I see a pawn shop, I'm like, go into the pawn shop because most pawn shops have so many awesome tools for so cheap because people that's what they can pawn like a big thing that like you don't really might not need this thing but it's got some value to it so like that little grinder my two by 42 i got from a pawn shop i remember my, that my yeah the the uh welder i got from a pawn shop and a few other things and so now whenever i see them i kind of walk in and browse you know it's like like a like an antique store or something it's just like another thing to browse around and be like oh this is kind of cool my welder came from a pawn shop yeah. too <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. i i used to have a, a hobart 270 um this is back when i lived in baltimore before i moved to seattle right. and i bought that because i had dreams i had a I had a Wrangler at the time and I had dreams of making my own bumper and, and Jeep parts and things nice. like that. And, uh, it moved to Seattle with me. The tank of gas actually lived in, <laughs> lived in Dustin's garage for the yeah. subsequent years. You're like, Hey, you want to take a gas? I was like, okay. You're like, I can't move it. So it's either that or sell it sell or, it, or yeah. like, yeah, I was like, all right. So yeah. Um, yeah. And then when you got your, turns like, out you still, still had tank. it when I, I got I my welder. I was like, Hey, <laughs> 
<laughs> like, yeah, you could have it back for a rental fee of hundred dollars a month. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have to pay you for that time. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Now that's the nice thing about living close by now is that we both know that what basically whatever we have in our shops is like tradable back and forth as 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 much as it's needed. I I have dreams of one day building a duplex. And then with a big shop where we just share, share the shop, where we both have just a shop together. Because then tools cost half as much yep, as long exactly. as the other person also wants it. <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, owning a boat with two other people like I do. Owning a sailboat with my, my brother and our buddy Charles that whenever we want to buy anything for the boat, it only costs a third of the price of what it normally <laughs> costs because you're only paying your third, which is really nice. Yeah. Um what uh so i'm trying to think of what you other things you've been working on the on your on your uh uh youtube channel so you're working on the four-wheeler and you got the four-wheeler to take care of like yard stuff or or drive stuff because you guys have a long driveway which is kind of steep and you need it to like plow snow and all which is just like a convenient tool that can also be utilized as a toy, which yeah. is fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. More so than I even thought when I got it. Yeah. Um, so, and also, I guess, do firewood and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. So, if if you listen to my other episode, I talked about the tiny house a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, and we have since moved out of the tiny house and are Airbnb it. So, like, my wife and I, particularly since the pandemic, we both work from home. Um, and, the only reason we need to shovel our driveway is if it, if it happens to be on a day that a tiny house guest is arriving at the right. Airbnb. And last year we had to shovel that driveway four or five times. And once it frozen so bad, we had to pay somebody to do it. And it was like a couple hundred oh, bucks. I was yeah. like, no, yeah, not again. Um, and then we also have, have the opportunity. Like you said, we have a wood stove in the basement right. and we live on 26 acres. So with labor, we could heat our house for mostly free. Um, right. and I was, that, and that was how I pitched it to Kate. I was like, Kate's my <laughs> wife. Um, how I pitched to her is we can plow the driveway whenever we need to, yeah. we can gather wood from around the property and bring it back up. Like it, it will help us save money on oil costs. So we're not using that to heat and turns right. out it's really fun to just go exploring the property on a four wheeler. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah, I know you got, you got like a a skidding what's that called like a nose or whatever the yeah i got a, a skidding cone a skidding cones, where yeah. like you wrap a you wrap a chain around the log and then you pull it through the nose of the skidding cones it just keeps it from getting hung up on stuff right so it's got like a point at the end like a rocket yeah, yeah. And i'm not entirely convinced it was worth the cost <laughs> like turns out i can just drag sh- drag stuff <laughs> with the four-wheeler without the cone but uh you know live and learn yeah no i think that you know I mean, if if nothing else, it it keeps your property from getting cut up by like dragging stuff around. Now, most of your property is wooded, so it doesn't really matter. But right. um, you know, I think it's it's nice to have, and it keeps things looking nice and keeps your wood from like just dragging through dirt. At and least that on was, the front, you know. That was the biggest rocks and stuff. Biggest thing is it was like be- cost between nothing and. Um, I can't remember the name, but it, 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 a log hauler where it's like a trailer that lifts up the front end of the log right, yeah. while you drag it out of the woods. And the whole point is to keep the log from picking up as much dirt as possible so that you're not dulling your chainsaw blades right. when you're, you know, bucking it to length. Your your electric saw, your electric axe, gas axe. There we go, <laughs> gas, gas axe. axe. <laughs> I have an electric axe and a gas axe down here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, 
yeah nice um i think that's that's fun i i've been the benefactor of the or not benefactor beneficiary of of the fun of the four-wheeler multiple times now it's been awesome i've always like i've i've tried to convince nicole my wife a dozen times or more that it would be fun to take like a four wheeler backpacking trip. And she's like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, come on. How fun would that be? You know, we don't have to, we don't have to walk. We can go like, you know, a hundred miles in like five days or something or whatever. And it's like, like a modern day horse. Exactly. Right. I mean, now that would be awesome <laughs> doing like a horse backpack. I think we've talked about that. Oh, I've been, we looked into it. I've been talking about it for ages. Yeah. The problem is my birthday's in December and Kate's like, <laughs> no, like, even last year for Kate's birthday, I was like, w- would you want to try to do a, a horse camping trip? And she's like, no. Oh man. Well, so granted, awesome. she was also like one month postpartum yeah, right. <laughs> last, last year for her birthday. She was like, no, but it's just not her thing. Yeah. Right. Oh, that'd be so much fun. That'd be awesome. But yeah, so I've tried, you know, and, and if we lived in an area that was colder, like we could do snowmobiling and things like that, but, but it has been nice to, to be able to come over and like play around and ride around the property on the four wheeler and stuff that you have, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't often think of it and you, you come over and we're just hanging out and you're like, Hey, can I take the four wheeler for a spin? I'm like, well, yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> Cause I love like with the four wheeler, I love exploring. And then I love the like, four-wheel capability i love finding my way like not fast but throw slow through like areas and around trees and over logs and stuff and seeing what i can go seeing what's like reasonable to go over and what i can go uphills and down and work my way around i think that's just like fun to be able to explore around without having to walk <laughs> like just being on something that has so much power underneath you it's such a cool feeling oh yeah. man the spider webs lately have been oh, awful yeah. <laughs> so so dustin comes back we have a half mile loop in our property and i had gone on the loop before people had come over to clear the spider webs um, i didn't think about the fact that dustin would go off trail and go exploring <laughs> yeah. which you know he just does but he comes back with this huge branch in his hand just like hang out in front of him like you went off trail didn't you yeah spider webs got you in the after face. i got like four like giant <laughs> oh, spider webs are like so strong they like hit me and i'm like ah oh, there's gonna oh, be a spider on my face they're awful it. every oh. day i i've <laughs> i'm trying to instill new habits in my life and to that end i looked up um because i'm a nerd i looked up how long it takes to form a habit and apparently the answer is somewhere between like two weeks and a year right. um where the mean is somewhere around 66 days i was like all right a goal 66 days i will do something every day for 66 days and that something includes a walk, usually with my, my infant on my back. Well, infant's a relative word. Kid weighs 30 pounds now. Right. <laughs> um, and so that half-mile walk is along the property. And I walk it every day. Right. Every single day, there are, like, dozens of spider webs on that trail. <laughs> and so I just – I have a pile of sticks accumulating on one side of the trail because I'm just like, all right, just waving a stick <laughs> the, whole, web stick. Yeah, the exactly. whole way through. And they still get me. I'm like, yeah. God, why are there still four spiders on me? <laughs> Anyone listening who's, like, a backpacker or walks through the woods knows that. You know, like, you know you're always looking for a good spider web stick because you're just going to walk and swing it around in front of you while you're our, walking. Our most recent guest in the tiny house um, – I, I was going out for my, my daily walk with Alistair and I had a stick in my hand and I noticed there weren't any spider webs and we got to a place where there's a uh, pretty tight cutback and I saw our tiny house guests were on the trail ahead of me far enough that like we weren't bothering each other and right. I, I didn't see them. <laughs> I get up at the end and I see he's got a stick in his hand. I'm like, ah, oh, the spider webs got you. Nice. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yep. I'm kind of used to it. I, I knew ahead of time I needed to get a stick to clear him away. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, that's, 
yeah, it's one of those things that I actually usually use a one hiking pole when I go backpacking. So that's always like <clears throat> hiking and flipping it up in the air to like, especially going through any like tight, narrow spots. You're like, all right, spider web stick. Yeah. Um, speaking of being in the woods, I know you just started this year hunting for I did. the first time. So I know you were out like on opening day and this is for bow hunting. Um, in Maryland, I guess is that like in the country? Is it the same, or is it um, depends on where we are? I don't know. It depends a little bit from what I've seen. I guess I, you're right. Of course, somebody I went to uh, went to college with and ran track with in college. <clears throat> he is an avid hunter, like on Game of Inches TV, regularly travels around the country doing hunts, and he was out hunting the same day I was for opening day in another state. So. Okay. I don't know if it's the same across the board, but it seems to be relatively the same. But it's um, like, but I guess it's the specific season in Maryland. Is that what you're going by for Maryland? Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. So archery season started last Friday was opening day for archery season. And that includes, you know, your traditional bows, um, compound bows and crossbows. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to have friends that loaned me crossbows <laughs> off and on. Uh, and nice. so I was able to get out a couple of times. My first day out, I didn't see anything. I figured out exactly how uncomfortable the tree stand can be. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was in my stand by 515. Uh, sun comes up around 620, and you can shoot about a half an hour before that. Okay. Um, didn't see a thing for the entire time. Mm-hmm. I climbed from the stand, walked down in my driveway, and I see a deer over in the other field. God <laughs> dang it. <laughs> uh, and then I got up there, I don't know, two or three days later, I was up in the stand again and had a deer hanging out almost the entire time it was light like she showed up before light and was just facing straight away from me and so i didn't have a shot right and i have a i have a feeder up um and the feeder went off at 6 30 and it spooked her oh and so she just bolted (laughs) and she bolted probably about 20 or 30 yards and i saw her at the edge of this clearing that I'm, i'm posted up in and she hung out there and then she actually came back but then she was straight head on to the point that she was directly beneath me. And I was like, oh, man. Uh, and she wasn't like she wasn't really big. Right. She was by herself. She was maybe 70 or 80 pounds. So right. like I didn't and I, I've i never killed a deer before. Right. So, yeah. so it's your first one. So my like, first one. I was like, I didn't feel really comfortable. Right. Like my yeah. first one, it will most likely be a broadside shot that right. I'm very confident that it'll hit exactly where I want it to hit. And there's right, no exactly. question about it. Because like if it was the perfect deer, like a yeah. big old female or something or like a big buck or something, you might have like maybe taken the risk. But yeah. being at your first and also not an ideal deer like without having that broadside shot that you know is going to be a good kill it's like yeah yeah and then she turned and walked away from my tree and like turned broadside but behind like i i looked at it and she was just behind enough branches I'm like ah, i don't yeah i don't feel comfortable like i'm yeah. just not gonna on this one I, yeah, yeah. i'll have other chances archery yeah. season's long Right. Um, but that's good. That's promising, right? That you know that they'll move around in that area, that you're in a spot yeah. that they move in. That's good. Yeah. And I, the first day, I kind of knew nothing was going to be there. I'd only gotten the feeder up at like 4 o'clock the day before. Um, I ended up getting a, a, a trail cam um, right. a couple days later and got that set up. So I know I've had, I've had five deer, including two big does, at my feeder at 6 30 in the morning and at 5 30 6 o'clock at night and right. 
just haven't haven't had them there when I'm there. So apparently I'm smelly and they pick it up. But <laughs> so you're doing crossbow. Um, if you guys don't know, you well, if you if you listen regularly, you know that I'm a bow maker and Sean is also a bow maker. So Sean and I, um, I think we talked about this in the last podcast, but we took a bow making class together. That's when we first learned bows. And actually, technically, we we started learning before that because we <laughs> we we decided to take the class, and then before we took the class, we were like so excited. So then we started making bows before the class. Yep. So we were like, let's just build something right away. Actually, I think they're still up. Ab- I, I think they're still up above yeah, us in here. This is, yeah, that's the one that I made right there yeah. with the with the uh, electrical tape on one side <laughs> holding a crack together. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think mine mine made it. Yeah, because we, I think I pulled it too soon, and it developed a pretty significant set, and it was only like a twenty-five or thirty-pound bow. Yeah, this one's so light, and I yeah, but but it shot an arrow. Yeah, exactly. Didn't know anything. So for from the amount of you know whatever we could find online, which was probably videos by Clay Hayes, it was, (laughs) which is you know we've had on the podcast. He was wearing, (laughs) he was wearing like an orange hat, and his in his like little barn um, that he had, and and when I saw him on. I looked him up again when you had him on the channel yeah. uh, a couple months ago, and I didn't even recognize him. Like he just mm-hmm. looked so different. And then I scrolled back to those videos, like that he is the guy that taught me how to make bows. Right, exactly. Yes, yeah, specifically Osage because yeah. he did because he, he has some awesome videos on Osage. And when when I reached out to him and he agreed to be on the podcast, it was like meeting you know some awesome famous person because I had watched so many of his videos and learned so much about bow making from him. So I was like. Oh, he's actually going to be on the podcast. That's who. And then we had all sorts of technical difficulties getting him on, which eventually worked out fine. But, and then it's funny because we actually didn't talk at all about him being on alone, which he won the eighth season alone. I don't know if that's spoiler alert for anybody, but it's already happened on TV. Spoiler alert. It's already happened. (laughs) It's already happened. I I wasn't sure if you even talked about it. Yeah. I mean, he's talked about it on his YouTube channel. He's put up a bunch of videos. Yeah. Each week he was posting videos about it. But, um, so when we had him on as a guest, it had already happened, but it wasn't out yet. Like he wasn't talking about it. So I had no idea right, until right. like a few weeks later and he was like, you know, so, you know, he posted a video about how he was on alone and how it was like the most real reality show that there is out there because it's really real. You know, it's just, they drunk, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> drinking beers over here. They drop them off and they got their camera gear and that's it. Like they're alone. They're they just have to survive as long as possible. So it's as real as can be. The nice thing I think about him, and I think there are, there have been some other people over the seasons who are content creators who do that type of thing or teach it him, his primary job being like an outdoor naturalist and a content creator. He's always thinking about those like angles and stuff. So he filmed himself like that. So there were, there was, there was tons of great footage that he set up, you know, like different angles of things, different cameras. Cause he's just got that mindset cause he's used to filming himself. Have you watched it yet? I've seen a couple of, um, I've, I saw like the first two episodes actually when I was up visiting my in-laws Christmas. I forget when that was spring break, something like that. I forget. Maybe no, no, I'm like going back lots and lots of times. (laughs) This would have been, mid-july or early july when we went up to visit the first couple episodes were out on discovery channel or whatever it was that it's on and so i think i watched like the first two episodes okay but i haven't watched the other ones and i actually haven't watched any of his videos about them because i want to at least i didn't i didn't watch any of his videos because i didn't want a spoiler if he had like one or not Mm -hmm. 
And then when he posted his last video and stuff on Instagram about like it had showed the last episode and he won and whatnot. And so then I like sent him some messages and I was talking to him about, about it and all, but um, I didn't want to watch those videos beforehand because I was like, well, what if I get a chance to watch it? Then I'm not going to like, I don't want to spoiler, you know? So, so when, when uh, he was season eight and when season eight was coming out or before season eight came out, it was after he was on your podcast. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, somebody I, I vaguely know is going to be on alone. And so Kate and I actually started watching it because all of the episodes are available to stream uh, with my account, right? which I've given you. You should watch it. Um, anyways, okay. it's the History Channel, not not Discovery. Anyways, right, um, right, right. Okay, yeah. we had watched like season one, season two, season four or five, and then we were recording season eight and just started interspersing it in there and even kate was like man clay he knows what he's doing yeah like, exactly he knows how to set up shots he understands uh-huh. like what he's doing as far as talking to the camera um he seems to genuinely know what he's doing yeah right um and it was just he was a, he was a joy to watch and like yeah. some of those people are and, and not specifically on season eight on previous seasons they're they're, they just kind of come across as awful humans. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, uh, I don't I don't really want to watch you. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, Clay was great. Um, I'm yeah. really happy for him. I hope it is a path for, for yeah, right. you know, whatever he wants to do with his life. Like yeah. $500,000 is a lot of money. Yeah, that's crazy. I actually started watching, um, I forget what it's on. I guess it's on Netflix. Season seven is on Netflix, which is the one million dollar. Like if they had to survive in the Arctic for I haven't watched days. that one yet. So I started watching that. I think I'm on like season, episode three or something. Just I was actually at school um, like a week ago, and I was in the middle of my planning period, and I had all of my planning done. Like everything was done the day before, so I was like sitting there and kind of half falling asleep, like doing like reading emails. And then I was like, all right, what's, let me look through like, and I was like, what can I, what's on Netflix? So I was like, Hey, look, there's a season of alone on Netflix. And it was the seventh season. So I started watching it, <laughs> you know, Hey, you gotta use your planning period somehow. Right. But yeah. Um, so, so you've been using crossbow. That's yep. like what you're hunting with. Yeah. Um, why not longbow? Because so, as a long, that's why I got in this conversation as like right. bow makers, and we've shot a ton. And that's always together. been that's always been kind of like the full circle, you know, dream for me is right. you know we 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 you pulled down a tree, split out the limbs, made a bow from it. To be able to take a deer with that bow would just kind of like be what exactly I would want it to be. Right. Um, and there's a couple things keeping me from hunting with my longbow right now. And one of which is the weight feels a little low to me. Okay. Like I would have to be, because yeah. the weight of, I only have one bow. Um, and the weight is probably between 45 and 50 pounds. Right. And the accuracy I would have to have, like, it'd have to be a, a near perfect shot. Like it's at 45 to 50 pounds. I'm not going through a shoulder blade to right. hit anything. So right. yeah. quartering towards would be rough. It'd need to be a broadside and I'd have to be able to hit, you know, six inch circle right from 10 to 20 yards and i don't have that confidence right okay and like i can i can probably do it but you and i have shot enough up at oregon ridge it's like there's always that every third shot that just misses the target entirely and i'm like <laughs> yeah. what what know, is yeah. going on yeah, what was that one about yeah yeah you hit and like eight inches up to the right and you're like what is that like yeah it's that, like the previous there? one hit you know, two inches from where I was aiming and this, the next one goes seven inches, eight inches yeah, away. And right, I'm like, come right. on. And so it's, it's that lack of consistency, not to mention when you are hunting, it's not like, it's not like you've just gone and shot three, four or five arrows and right. you're feeling warm up and warmed mm-hmm. up and, and comfortable. It's, yeah, yeah. 
you're cold, yeah, you've been sitting there for anywhere from an hour to two to three hours. Right. And just it, it's just a lack of confidence um, and a lack of accuracy on it. Like, yeah, literally yeah, the no, first time I picked yeah. up a crossbow, it was Brian's crossbow. Right. So nothing I have ever shot in my life. I was shooting from, I think it was 10 yards, and I hit a half an inch from where I was aiming. Right. And then I moved to 20 yards, and I hit a half an inch from where I was aiming. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. my first two shots, That's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, because And even Brian yeah. was saying, like, he took one warm-up shot before he shot a deer with his right, crossbow. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, great. Yeah. Like, that type of confidence is not something that I have with my longbow. Right, yeah. Yeah, no, no criticism, because I also, you know, I don't hunt not because I'm not interested in it. Half of it's because I, I don't need to hunt right now. You know, we, between my wife and I would make enough money to live comfortably and not, I don't have to hunt. I would like to hunt because I feel like the, again, I think you, like you were kind of getting at, it's almost like the full circle, right? We've yeah. like, we've made the bows. We've practiced them for years and years and years, thousands and thousands of shots. So we've shot tons and tons of targets. We've gone through the courses, you know, hundreds of times. And so that full circle comes around with like, what's the point of that, right? Getting to the end is actually like hunting. Now, I think also for your perspective, you know, hunting for the first time, right? I feel like doing something for the first time, knowing that you'd be able to have a clean kill for their first kill, maybe the first year, first couple years. And then, and then eventually once you've gotten that like comfort level up with like hunting and what you need to do and what's a kill and what, what could be, you know, how far you could miss and still get a good kill, you know, or at least a relatively wounded enough exactly that they're not going too far. So, um, you know, I, I understand completely like having that confidence of doing that and being it the first time I'd want it to be something that's more of a sure kill. Right. And humane. Yeah. So on that, I had intended my, first time to be with somebody else as weird as that might sound <laughs> i've got a couple of friends um that have offered to take me hunting and it just hasn't hasn't lined up um right like brian offered to take me hunting and then they had some stuff come up where he wasn't even able to go out opening day right because um, right. liz was out of town and uh my other friend i gotta contact him he's he, his son got his first deer opening oh, nice. weekend um which was cool and so i gotta reach out to him and see what what he wants to do um, yeah. if he's still up for that but it's also something like my neighbor hunts um and he actually loaned me he had a bunch of extra stuff so he's loaned me the sticks to climb up the the tree right. stand yeah. um also loaned me the he, he loaned me a blind too because he finds his tree stand really uncomfortable <laughs> as well and oh man i have it's been a while since I've been that uncomfortable. Right. That's rough. <laughs> Voluntarily. And, yeah. yeah right. right. Or, like, you know, kind of, yeah, maybe it's, not voluntarily. But, it's yeah. actually really interesting. I was, I actually, I Googled what hunters do when they're sitting in their stand for hours. And like Brian sits on his phone and I don't know if his stand is more comfortable or right. he's just more comfortable or what, but I didn't feel entirely comfortable having my phone out while I'm in my stand. <laughs> well, like, like my chair is, you know, six inches wide by ten in, or ten inches right. wide by six inches deep. It's just not all that stable feeling when my butt's on it, particularly right. yeah. after an hour when it's asleep. <laughs> anyway, so I'm just sitting there with nothing but like listening to the woods wake up, right. and and my thoughts and all of that and. I mean, lately my brain's been going nonstop, like keeping me up at night going nonstop. And so right. being able to be in the quiet of the woods and, you know, quiet's relative. 
but it's it's nice and like i'm out there before it's light at all it's pitch black it's just it's a different experience and more than like obviously i haven't I haven't killed anything yet. I haven't right. done anything like that. It's just sitting and listening to the woods wake up. And even that day the deer came out, it was it was fun to like watch her in her natural habitat. And you know, we see deer a lot when we're out, but they're almost always aware of us. Right. And yeah. so for her to to be beneath me and not be aware of me, it was just really nice to to watch. Even yeah. if like you know, she never presented a shot. wasn't ideal. All that fun stuff. But it was. It's fun to kind of watch her moving through and and eating and just being relatively relaxed. Yeah, I was um, <clears throat> I was actually just listening to an older episode of uh, the Blacksmiths Pub, which is a podcast with uh, Jesse Savage and Rick something. I don't I don't know Rick's not Rick's last name off the top of my head. I was just looking for it, but um, he was talking about hunting and hunting with a bow with a long bow, but that same thing, you know, just being out there and watching the animals and like the, I guess whichever season he did it. I mean, this was back in, I was listening. I think it was from around before Thanksgiving or so last year in 2020. Um, They were talking about it and just, just like the experiences he had with sitting out there and watching like a buck come in and walk up and not really present a good shot, but just, just to see it come up and be in that situation where, they they maybe have a feeling that you're there, but they're there and they just go on their way and they just live. And that's, yeah, just, I've had that type of thing over the years, not in like hunting situation, but just in a, in a backpacking or traveling or camping right. and walking around in the woods. Because often here in Maryland, if you just walk out into the woods and you sit down for 10 or 15 minutes, a white-tailed deer is going to come by because there's so many white-tailed deer in Maryland. You know, it's that's, like super that's why the bag limit is literally unlimited. Exactly. Yeah, right. For, <laughs> yeah, for does in Maryland, it's unlimited, right? Um, because there are so many. And, and so camping and stuff in my entire life, I've multiple times, especially when I was like in college, when I had more of like a hippie mindset and like a naturalist mindset. Now, I still have that kind of mindset, but at least now it's now it's kind of mixed with a lot of other things. But, you know, just kind of like, barefoot walk out into the woods long hair you know just sit down next to a tree and then watch the world go by i mean that experience is so cool and like i know brian's talked about that with his you know his uh hunting last year and now mm-hmm. like you, you have that same experience of just and you may have had that before but like there's something really like intense and natural about that about just watching the world wake up around you or just watching things happen around you and and knowing that like you're in a position of almost a position of power, right? Being a conscious kind of can make uh, like decisions about what you want to do, you know, like as opposed to the animals around you who are just living a life that's based off of like moving and eating and surviving, you know, like you're looking at this thing and observing them with a mindset of being like, I'm, I want to see this thing live its life as a way to, you know, I don't know, just enjoy it, right? Enjoy mm-hmm. nature around us. And I think that's, it's pretty, it's a pretty interesting thing. It's a pretty like mind opening um, experience when you have that and you can see these wild animals move around you, whether that's the deer in Maryland, which are relatively tame because there's so <laughs> many, or if that's, you know, a squirrel or if it's foxes or whatever, you know, it's, it's just pretty interesting. I think that's why we're all also intrigued by like animal documentaries. That's why like 
planet earth that whole documentary series that mm-hmm. came out when we were like in college or high school or whatever like that was a huge like thing everyone loved it because it was so cool we were getting so many beautiful shots of just animals living their lives and it's just something pretty impressive we have cool. a kate and i have a friend of a friend um hayes is his name but he is a um, videographer for national geographic mm. um i don't think specifically but he does like he recently was part of a project that won an Emmy for whales. Oh, like, nice. so he's out uh, up in the, you know, out in Alaska and waters and stuff yeah. like that doing video. And some of the stuff that he posts is just phenomenal. And it's like that same concept of just yeah. seeing the animals and, and seeing all of that. It's like, I don't know. It just, it makes you, it always brings me back. Like the animal's entire purpose is, to survive long enough to reproduce. Right. Yeah. All it is is every day it's wake up, eat food, don't die. Yeah. Reproduce. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And uh, sometimes in western novels kind of do the same thing for me, but like I think about it and I I go back to wondering what I would be like in that time. Yeah. Cuz like that that was human life back in I don't know, thousands of years ago. Yeah, right. And I always wonder like how I would perform in that time. I always yeah. think I would be good because then, you know, I consider myself relatively right. athletically gifted and coordinated <laughs> and things like that. But, right. but yeah, you know, you never know. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's that, that's the mystique or that's the like allure of the, at why people love to watch po- post-apocalyptic movies and, and Westerns and things that are like, you Definitely. know, because you're like, Oh, you like, as men, you know, we were like, could we test ourselves and be, you know, have that type of survival? Like, what do you have to do to survive? What do you have to do to like live out that? Could you be a leader? Would you be a follower? Like, what would your position be in the ranking? Like, it's just a, it's a weird thing. And, you know, 99%, I'm 99% sure that that'll never happen and we'll never get into that situation. But, you know, we can hope <laughs> or not. <laughs> Depends on what direction you want to go with yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Do I want to yeah. test this? I like a couple of years ago, you sent me a little like meme thing that was like, what was it? I, I don't have, was it something like, I don't have too many hobbies. I'm just collecting um a robust post-apocalyptic skill set it's like knife making bow making axes you know fire building bushcrafting you know just in case something happens i want to be ready of course (laughs) gotta have those skills just in case (laughs) yeah that's awesome that's actually you know one of the things i like about the property i live on is, is it gives me an opportunity to utilize those things like right i use four axes regularly and every one of those I picked up for less than 20 bucks at a, I don't know, two of them probably came from the back of some guy's garage that we right. met on Facebook <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. That was that guy up in like Thermont, Maryland, where, oh, right. where I got married, oh, where yeah. he was like getting out of axes and like, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. guy. Yeah, we went up. Yeah. He that, like... was, that was like one of my first decent, decent, you know, halls of axes. I yeah. got like a nice great neck. That's um, right. Yeah axe that's my felling axe right. and then yeah. the uh the giraffe logo. yes that's a good one yeah it turns out there's very little information on those other than yeah. the fact that they're good steel but yeah but yeah like just being able to use those on a regular basis and have have a purpose where they i'm i'm gaining experience because right. like youtube yeah. is fantastic i youtube and the internet has given me the confidence to tackle so much yeah, like right. i read at a bathroom by myself 
tiling sucks (laughs) but you were able to do it right you were able to see someone else do it yeah and and i learned how to make bows on you know started off on on youtube but there's there's only so much that youtube can teach you and then experience takes over and doing it and and learning how to do stuff is is huge and like i like to know things yeah i think i think that's one of the things that i really like about youtube and i like as a YouTube content creator is that I'm giving people the confidence to try, right? Because if you've never seen it or you've never done it, it's hard to just try for the first time. Um, But if you see someone else do it and then you're like, okay, well that, that takes away from the, the like possible concern of I've never done it before. I've never seen it done before. I don't know what little problems I might run into. And that's what deters you from doing something. But if you see someone else do it and they're like, okay, this is what you want to do. You know, maybe try not to go this way because it's a little funky. If you do this way, go over this way, open up this thing first, you know, it'll keep you. It's just, it's like being in a classroom with someone who will give you those pointers that you don't necessarily know. And that's actually one of the things I think a lot of people um, encourage people to take classes with because just YouTube doesn't give you that intimate you know, kind of conversation where someone's like, oh, you're, you know, like with blacksmithing, you know, so something like that. Maybe you're not standing right or hitting weird or you're like doing something you would never know or think to do different unless someone tells you. But I think what YouTube does, it gives people the confidence to try it. Yeah. And like you said, then you can build up the experience, right? You start with like, okay, I've seen this guy do it. He's kind of talked me through it. Let me try it. And then you try it, right? Once you do, once you do it once, then you've already done it once and then it's like it's not scary anymore then you can try it again try it again then you learn on your way obviously by that point it might be good to then if you really want to get on something take a lesson from somebody so they can give you some hands-on experience but at least you already have that under your belt yeah 100 agree yeah um and there's certain things where like i i want to put in the time to learn and then there are other things where it's like well i understand the basics at this point do I really want to put in a ton of effort into learning how to do this? Or do I want to pay somebody 600 bucks and go take a class? Right. Yeah. And welding is actually one of those things. Like I know enough to make steel stick together. Right. (laughs) I also know, like I have followed enough people, particularly when I was active on the Jeep forums that were taking welding classes while they were working on their Jeeps. And I was like, there's so much here that I don't understand and don't know. Right. And don't have an interest in trying to figure out on my own. Like, I just want to get to a place where I can take a welding class. Right, yeah. And at least learn, learn like, <laughs> the reasoning behind the things that that I vaguely know. And I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of classes I would love to take. And that's part of, part of why I, I want the YouTube channel to succeed right. is yeah. to just fund some of that. Because, like, I work a full-time job. I have family money. It's yeah. allotted for things. We budget for stuff. Um, and the YouTube channel helps me budget for hobbies and right. things like that. Yeah. So it, 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 I would love it to be a little more successful and make a little more money and right. help pay for classes just to increase my skills and, and get better at stuff without making 4,000 mistakes on YouTube that you all <laughs> right, can, exactly. you all can point out for me. <laughs> that I do appreciate all of the feedback. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. I like your face. You're Except like... that one comment that said, just no, <laughs> that wasn't, that wasn't constructive criticism. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. People people love to hide behind their keyboards. You know, <laughs> no face, no conversation. They can say whatever they want. You can you can tom- comment back to them, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, you had um, you've had several <laughs> conversations on this podcast about bringing someone to your point of view, right? Yeah, and like you have people that are just like really negative in their comments, and you're like, well. No. And I actually had a successful successful experience where like somebody was like, way to way to show a huge gap between and this is the knife I made for you. They're like, way to show a huge gap between I don't know, X and Y. Right. On the the knife. It was my first hidden tang knife. And uh I asked them I was like, What what are you talking about? Are you talking about the gap that looks like it's there between the first brass piece and the piece of wood? Right. And, and they were like, Yeah, I was like, that's that actually wasn't a gap. Like what happened is I had to pry the handle apart because the glue failed the first time and it dented the wood a little bit. And so when I glued it all back together, there was like an epoxy gap that was there, but it was right. only, you know, a fraction of an inch deep. And so right. it sanded away. I, was, I asked you to send me a picture of the handle oh, yeah. at some point just so I could verify because I didn't, I never took good pictures of it because I was like, I'm done. I got to give it to Dustin. It's his birthday present. It's already like a month late. Yeah. But yeah, they were like, "Oh, yeah, you're right." I'm like, "Can you can you go like delete your negative comment?" Yeah, right. By exactly. I think no one's gonna read the replies. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, but on YouTube, you know, the analytics don't care what the comment no, is. No, they don't. It's just a comment, so it's like, nah, and you I know. and I got two or three more comments right, out of exactly. the person yeah, over right. the next few days. <laughs> That's why you know some of the bigger YouTubers or whatever, if if they're feeling spunky, will like pin those negative comments to the top. So then everyone who loves that YouTuber will just attack that person. Like ah, tons of comments. Back oh, I hadn't it. hadn't heard of that particular. Right, uh... exactly. Yeah, that that point of view, right? You just like pin a negative comment to the top, and you just get them, boys. Yeah, exactly. You let your pack feed. <laughs> I need a bigger pack. <laughs> yeah, crafting well. a life I want. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Go over there, subscribe. Yeah, check I it out. I appreciate everybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh it's one of the things I actually had a um a guy recently uh he reached out to me and he asked what tool I use to cut the grooves down the middle of my leather to make it fold easier. And so I just responded back to him. I said I use a linoleum cutting V grooving tool. So I know about linoleum t- cutting tools before I knew about leather cutting tools because I'm an artist. So I Me did, too. you know, I did, <laughs> I did linoleum cutting, you know, block printing, um, in college and even, I guess even in high school, but it's just a little V cutting tool that cuts a groove out like, like a, like a, you know, a, uh, an engraving tool, except for it's not, you know, it's not flat, it's a V. And so he commented, it's funny. I didn't see his comment, but he commented back, um, something about like he wasn't sure exactly if that was the right thing because it wasn't really what he thought it was. It should be something with leather working. And then within like five minutes after that, he commented back again and was like, wait, nope, I'm wrong. You're right. I looked it up. That's a hundred percent what it is. And I was like, all right, thanks. You know, glad I could help. But yeah, I just like, I, I knew what the tool was that he was, right. you know, and, and sometimes it does happen where someone will ask me a question and I'll answer it and they'll be like, it won't be exactly what they were trying to get at, you know? So I'll have to like think about, I'll have to figure it out. But that was a pretty clear. It was like, what are you using to cut those grooves in the middle to help your fold? And I was like, Oh, that's a, it's a linoleum cutting V, yeah. which to his like defense, 
those tools, leather cutting tools and the linoleum cutting tools are really similar oh, looking. Yeah. Like it's they the, they have the little handles, they all fit like they're all really am, similar size. I imagine they're probably the same tools. They're exactly. just marketed to cut different things. Right. Like yeah. I have exclusively used lino like linoleum cutting tools for right. leather and yeah recently bought some other tools and they yeah. work the same yeah, like yeah. like and, flex yeah. flex cut <laughs> tools are going to cut lin- linoleum then right. they're going to cut exactly yeah. yeah yeah because it's you know linoleum is a it, the material is relatively soft and you can cut through it it's like a i don't know what it would be like a stiff rubber or something you know yeah. whatever it is but which is kind of close to a regular veg tan leather it has kind of the same resistance yeah. so you can cut it the same it's, way stamp material for yeah. people that are unfamiliar like those rubber stamps that you have that's right. basically what it is yeah right hey, that's good i like that yeah and so i i actually like looked it up on amazon i was like yeah you can find them for relatively expensive because they come with for like the company that sells most of them is speedball which is just a company that sells ink yeah. and tools specifically for for printing like block printing and linoleum printing and um you can find a the handle comes with a little like with the tools that actually fit inside. So you can get five or six different cutting tools and it's like 12 bucks or $16 yeah, or that's, something. That's I what like, I stole from Kate to yeah, use for my leather. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Turns out she took a, she took a, a printing class at Micah um, after she started working there. Again. <laughs> I was like, where are all my tools? No, no. She actually bought better tools. So now oh, she nice. doesn't care that I, <laughs> I use the other one. <laughs> nice <laughs> like, every I now don't know then, where your tools are <laughs> every now and then I'm, i go to use like one of her nice ones and she's like Meh, uh. i'm like yeah. it's just one cut i need it to be clean please let me use the better tools <laughs> the sharp blades like, go out and sharpen those blades you know how to sharpen things <laughs> yeah uh, well what's uh what's upcoming on the channel anything um well we have we have the knife video that should hopefully come out sometime in the next okay one to 37 days depending on how busy our, our people are speaking of um, that speaking of that knife real quick i um for the for maker camp there's a maker swap that's going on so i'm going to be making if anybody's going to be there and you want to possibly get my the thing that i'm contributing to the maker swap i'm going to be making a combination marking knife slash uh shop knife so sean was the recipient of the shop knife that i made which was a file that has a a blade on one side and then on the spine of the blade it has inch marks inch and half inch and quarter inch marks marked into it so you can use it as a ruler like a quick six inch ruler or a blade but i'm going to do that same thing but a marking knife so if you guys have seen our video we made um, the marking knives i made the marking knives out of files so i'll be doing that making a file marking knife slash shop measuring knife so i'm going to do that for the giveaway um do you know fader's going to that too yeah yeah he'll be there with modern forge yeah he <laughs> yeah. he talked about it on the i was listening to his interview of uh jimmy DeResta today yeah. um on the full blast podcast i'm so excited the more i hear about it like a lot of a lot of different podcasts have been talking about it and i like I've heard a, I've heard a couple of people reference it as like the Woodstock of maker <laughs> conventions. I was like, that's gonna be so awesome. Well, it's it's so been so long. Like, yeah. and everybody that was gonna come this year, or maybe comes every other year or right, something yeah. like that. Like, everybody is coming this year. I'm super jealous you're going. Yeah, yeah. It was gonna be so. The first year was 2019. Um, I was actually in New York during that weekend on 2019, but only passing through because my cousin was getting married in Ottawa up in Canada. So we like drove through and I 
kind of half talked to my wife about possibly <laughs> stopping in for like a few hours just on the way hang back. Out just for yeah. a minute. Just we, think of it like a flea market. Yeah, right. There's so many cool people there. <laughs> and there were, I, but I think it was like 150 people. So that's like, that's like nothing, nothing for a convention. You know, that's super intimate, which is really nice. And, and then, then last year. 2020 got canceled got slash canceled. virtual. Right, yeah. And right. you and I both were watching like from from home yeah. <laughs> on our on our phones on like Instagram. In. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that was really it was cool. And then this year I went to the the Timber Inn with like Justin Dietrich who led mm-hmm. it up at at um the Blackthorn Resort. So that's gonna be really cool to like go back and help him re- erect the thing and and then uh, be participating in the in the Maker Knife. But the reason why I was saying that is because I think the knife that you're making is kind of that similar type of thing yeah. where it's like a single piece of steel you know it's kind of like a blacksmith knife rather than uh, like a handled you know yeah. scales knife and all which is which and is it, awesome they're fun to make it was a ton of fun um i actually made a couple of them because i didn't know what i was doing like i was trying out several right. things for the first time um which and... is good i i rarely do that on my channel it's like i just make it and then end up having to like spend a ton of time figuring out what i'm doing yeah. during the filming well but... it, it just so happened that like i had a i had a piece of quarter inch 1084 Mm-hmm. that was sitting around um and i i went to go lay out my knife on it after the the design was determined and turned out like if i swapped it around the other direction i could fit two on the same piece of steel nice and i was like oh <laughs> that's perfect so i'll just i'll make two of them right and yeah. i get to practice <laughs> uh the first one came out better than the one that we did on film of course it did yeah. oh it, yeah. it the one that we did on film suffered from uh, the knife maker's curse of you know we don't we don't make mistakes we just make smaller knives. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's yeah. it's probably I wouldn't say it's a quarter of an inch, but it's a hair under that shorter than what it was intended right. to be. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, new processes, new techniques that I'd never done before. So right. It's awesome. First time playing with acid and yeah, and cold cold hammering some steel. That's cool. And I think you got the, uh, the Bill Benke file guide, right? That was oh, that's right. Idea. It was also my first time using my Bill Benke file guide. Yeah. yeah, that's so nice. It's amazing how you can like mitigate the errors that you make on plunge lines with a file guide so easily, and it and whatever it is, the eighty bucks or whatever it costs, which is seems like a lot for this little thing, but when you, as a knife maker, it's funny because I think our goals as knife makers is to try to make a knife that like looks as clean as possible, that it like looks like a production knife, but it's still a handmade knife. Mm-hmm. So, but there's, there's like a level of craftsmanship and pride that you get in when you can get like a perfect, you know, like plunge lines that oh, are yeah. perfect. And you get this like perfect little arrow that points with like a blade, you know, your edges right down the middle and like, being able to get that and using a tool like a Bill Banky file guide is it makes it so much easier, but also so satisfying to get like a really clean plunge yeah. line or perfect on both sides. It's like a hundred percent worth it. Well, and I, I had been fairly lucky as a, and I have admittedly made far fewer knives than Dustin has. Um, I've been fairly lucky where like when I get done, I look down and I'm like, Oh, my plunge lines look really good. Like I'm, I'm really happy with this. Um, and and like I don't I don't have a bunch of knives sitting in a box that got screwed up. I have one knife sitting in that box now that yeah. <laughs> that will never be finished, never be finished. Um, but yeah, no, the the file guide was a fantastic addition. It yeah. just it took all the guesswork out of it and all the like it just made it a far less meticulous process to get those things even. And I'm also just like, we have ceramic shredder belts. 
Right. And yeah. I'm I'm still amazed that like something that can can eat away at at hardened steel like it's nothing doesn't even touch the ceramic plates it's on, amazing. on the yeah, yeah, exactly. like, I'm even looking at it as the I'm carbide, grinding. Yeah, and I'm like, right. there's, there's no marks on this. Oh, there's a, nope, nope. That's a nope. string from the belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, carbide is amazing. I wish I could get like a whole set of carbide drill bits, but they're just so expensive. It's crazy. Did you order from Bill Benke directly? Yeah. The file guide? Yep. So cool. Did you have to like send him like an email or whatever? It was like, you had to do I, yeah i sent him an email yeah. and then he sent me an invoice yeah. and then i paid the invoice yeah how awesome was that it was like all oh, super old school i love it yeah. and actually when i got mine um i i was like grinding on my first or second knife and one of the pieces of carbide popped off right and so i just sent him an email back and i was like hey this happened and he was like yeah that should never happen just send it back so i i like send it back and actually i put it in the mail and i think like two days later a new one showed up yeah so he had already yeah, just like he just sent shipped it out. out it was like yeah customer service right exactly it's so. amazing what customer service does yeah because right. like build like file guides are sold like alex Steele's website yep. carries them yeah right and i checked i checked his website because i like alex Steele. yeah and i was like mm, that's more than ordering directly from bill Banky. Right. or he was <laughs> sold out of the one i <laughs> right, wanted or right, something right. like that like i didn't need the Four and a half inch one with the cutout for right. for a, a sword. A sword. I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying sword like my son does. Swandwich. <laughs> sword. S words. Nice. Those darn S W words. Uh, yeah, I didn't need the one for the with the cutout for the sword because yeah. that's not happening for years at this point. Right. Yeah. Swords. Swords. Awesome. Swords are great. I. Uh, so. Uh, we have uh, the next video we're going to shoot for our craftsmanship is a secret video that we can't talk about right now on the podcast. Um, but we're in the middle of, so we just filmed, we talked about last week, we filmed the, um, the projector box, which we built that. And that's, um, that will be coming out sometime, maybe this weekend. Um, we reached out to the company that sent us the projector and they wanted to see it, which is fine because it was a, a pretty expensive piece of gear that they right. sent to us. Um, we didn't have like it's not like an official uh, sponsorship, but again, that piece of gear is is pretty expensive. So we were happy to like comply and work with them in a way that they could see what we're gonna do and kind of you know see what we were, how we wanted to present it. Um, so Devin and I will be we still have to take um, the uh, shots like the the um, thumbnail shots. So we're gonna do that tomorrow night. Um, we were thinking like we need like a smoke machine or something because because you know, using a projector, you can't really see the light unless there's some type of atmosphere. Right. Right. And that's what a cool shot is. Like you get the, like the, sh the light shining through the projection. So, um, Devin was like, I don't know if we can get like a smoke machine, or if we can do something. And then he texted me today or sent me a message today. And he was like, can we come over tomorrow night? He's like, our dad, he was like, dad just reminded me that we could just burn leaves, like just have a fire and burn yeah. leaves and we'll get lots of smoke. So, so he'll be over tomorrow night. So we'll be, we'll take in the, the uh, thumbnails for that. So that should, probably come out this weekend um and then uh we're working on the the magic toy box that we had to kind of put that on hold because we had we had to get the the projector video out and then we have the next video we're going to work on which we have a deadline for as well um so that'll come out and then uh i don't know i, th I feel like i want to do another axe video maybe an another axe frustration i also have a cool little like ball peen hammer that would make a nice blacksmithing hammer that i think would make an interesting video just to like restore that because 
yeah, I do that about often. That a while ago. Yeah, and then I we haven't really done um, much of that type of thing. But I think there there are enough like um, cheap hammerheads out there that people find if they want to get into blacksmithing. You can find a cheap hammerhead and then do minimal amount of work to restore it to a point where it will make a really nice hammerhead for yeah. blacksmithing. So I think that might be kind of a fun video. So we kind of got that on the docket, and then I have a bunch of other stuff that I have I've drawn up and stuff. So yeah, I mean, I've got. I hear you. Like <laughs> the li- the list is long. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I was hoping some magic switch would flip when I partnered with the videographer, and it'd be like <laughs> one video a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Now it turns out life still happens. Right. Exactly. Then um, you have two people living life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I'll be honest, even if I'm putting out videos at the same rate I was before. I don't have to edit anymore. <laughs> I can't tell yeah. you how much joy that brings. I got myself a Devon. <laughs> we all and, need a Devon. <laughs> and I, I like the human that's behind the Devon, Neil. I like I I like him. Yeah. Right. Um he like I enjoy spending time with him. He's easy to be around. Um But yeah, it's it's anyways, long list of stuff. I think nice. the next stuff um the next thing we're filming is I talked about the welding part of it, but it, I'm going to weld together a firewood holder for both my fire pit to keep wood off the ground as well as our airbnb's fire pit to keep wood off the ground uh right now we just have a pile of wood next to the fire pit and the bottom row always rots if it's not used quick enough are you gonna do like uh like a rounded thing or is it absolutely not no um we had so my tiny (laughs) house like put in your long skinny sticks into your forge (laughs) and hammer them into a long rounded thing no there's actually very few (laughs) like it's it's mostly the the tube steel um right my tiny house had a a portable dog fence that came with it that could detach and then hung on the front of the house and that was made out of one inch uh square steel hollow square steel and then um what three three eighth inch uh yeah, round round bar right. for the yeah. the bars um we're never going to use that fence again so right. i've just been cutting that apart to use for steel for random pers- purposes yeah, and they're so like what like four and a half feet or something each each or... fence section was i think like six feet long at about five feet tall right um so you have, and so there's plenty of plenty of, of yeah. steel around uh right. the fire pit will be it's just gonna be a square fire pit right okay um uh wood holder yeah yeah that, yes, wood holder, not fire pit. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I just, uh, you know, the, where the bars came off of it's got little pokey things that stick up. I figured instead of grinding those out, I'll use those to keep wood in place from rolling around. Okay. So those would be the yeah. bottom. And then vertical pieces are also square steel. And then support pieces like the 15-inch the deep that it is will be the, the round bars. Nice. And I'll just weld that in. Um, and then the plan was to, out of wood, build like a removable, like just a place on top roof system. Okay. To keep the keep the it stuff dry. dry. Yeah, right. I found a pile of uh, pile of shingles in the yeah. shed that haven't been used in a decade. So as long as they don't fall apart, I'll just throw them up there over top some some OSB and call it a yeah. day. That's cool. I like it. That's a cool design. Like I haven't for like something small. Obviously, there's covered firewood holders. You see them all the yeah. time. But like having a little firewood holder that goes next to either a fireplace or a fire pit that has a cover on it. That sounds like a cool sure. design. Yeah. And it's something I think that as far as like content creators go, we're always looking to like broaden the audience, you know, like mm-hmm. a lot of people w- might look for something like that, you know, like not just knife makers looking for knife making things or ax people or, you know, bushcraft people or four wheeler people, you know, like 
that's something that a lot of people have. They're like, oh, I wonder if I could make my own, you know, firewood holder because we all have that mindset. You either buy it or you make it. That's the make right. or switch. Yeah. Which I, I like that term. <laughs> I like that term from, from, from Devin, the maker yeah, switch. I know. And it was like, and I like, he was like, all right, well, if you had the maker switch, what would be the up, you know, what would be the on and what would be the off? And he had the idea of like, make it buy it, which is just perfect. So yeah. again, if you're going to maker camp, we're going to be getting stickers made and we're going to have the maker switch as a sticker. Nice. Awesome. So I was actually That'd playing awesome. with it today. I was kind of doing some designs I'm and gonna getting s- it. I'm going to steal one of those yeah. before you go to maker camp. <laughs> I, you, yeah, you got to, because otherwise they're all going to be gone. Cause I'm sure. Like they're just going to be gone, but yeah. So we'll have, we'll have the maker switch, that's cool. which I think is fun. Yeah. So yeah, I we, did the design for that. That's very cool. I'm excited to see your designs. That's one thing um, I am envious of Dustin on is that because he's gone to art school and I never did. I'm, I'm an engineer. <laughs> I, 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 I can draw straight lines really well. Um, <laughs> no, I'm always envious of Dustin's design skills and, yeah. and the way he's able to lay stuff out. Like, um, he mentioned on the last podcast the design of the or the drawing of the the sling for the axe oh, that he yeah. made for Corinne. Right. And I, I was like, Yeah, that's a fantastic drawing. And even if I tried to do it, like tried to copy it, it would right. <laughs> like I could trace the image and it yeah. wouldn't look that good. Yeah, I love um, I love that type of like technical drawing where I'm you know, it's a combination of the ability to like see and draw and have the have the picture in my mind and translate it, but also then do it in a way that is um, that is information that you can transfer to either yourself or to someone else, right? right? Do it to scale. So someone could take your design and measure it and use it like that, that specificity I really enjoy in like drafting yeah. as, as opposed to just like creating artwork, just doing a landscape painting, which if I'm doing a landscape painting, then I'm making all sorts of like creative choices that might not be in the landscape, but are better for the painting. But when I'm doing like a drafting, I'm like, I like the idea of being super specific, you know, it's like to the, to the inch, to the like, you know, 32nd of an inch and making sure everything is, is measurable. And yeah, that's fun. And also I, I use that type of drawing to, like I was saying, to kind of flesh out the ideas. Like how do I figure out this problem? Well, I can't see it in my head as well, or I can kind of see it, but I need to see it. I need to draw it. I need to like flesh it out so that way I can work through how this thing might work. So, so for those of you that don't know, Dustin and I have been friends forever. Like my wife and I fought over whose wedding party he was going to be in. Um, my wife won. Um, and so I have lots of Dustin's artwork in my house and specifically he did a a fairly big, it's what? 24 by 36, fairly big charcoal, charcoal charcoal drawing for us. And he mentioned that he, he likes to take some liberties with, with nature <laughs> to make the image look better. And I get an odd sense of joy because there's a particular tree in that that he added from whatever he was looking at. And he told us about it. And he often, at this right. point, like our relationship is what it is, where he tells me when he's added something or, <laughs> or changed something from what was actually in nature. And I get an odd sense of joy out of knowing what he has changed. And so like <laughs> that image hangs in our, our bedroom, so I see right. it multiple times a day i'm like yeah. oh and i always for whatever reason and i don't know i don't think i've ever told you this i always I look so. at the tree that got added nice. to it, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's that funny. tree was added with love all the rest yeah. of it was already there <laughs> that tree just made everything better <laughs> that's great i like that i'm adding like, added with added for love with love it's like <laughs> this this image needs a little love like this little corner isn't doing what it needs to do in nature so i'll just put some more nature in there to do what i want it to do yeah. yeah 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 i i've multiple times throughout 
my relationship with my wife, we've sat down and worked together because we're both artists. So we'll like sit down and draw something or paint something together. You know, she doesn't often do landscape, but when, you know, occasionally she will. And, um, she will, in those, in those circumstances, she's really true to what's there in front of her. And I'll, I'll be sitting right next to her and basically painting or drawing the same thing. And it's like, it, it looks basically the same, but I've taken liberties <laughs> and that's, that's just my experience as a landscape painter. You know, I, I'm always balancing what I see with what makes a good image, you know, like what as far as compositionally, what needs to happen within the painting or within the drawing. So she'll be like, what are you doing? Like that bush isn't there. Or like there, you took out the fence and I'm like, well, <laughs> it just didn't make a good image. You know, it's like, I didn't like a fence. Right. Exactly. I, I've always liked doing that with, with landscapes and stuff. It's like, just uh editing a little bit you know like i use i use nature as as the inspiration to make the painting but right. it's not i'm not taking a photograph you know it's not a photographic well, image it's it's a painting that's um, the big yeah. difference is like i so if you've been listening i know dustin and nicole through my wife kate right. who's a micro grad and she did photography and that's a huge difference like when i talk to you about your artistic process and and how you make and and that's probably why I really like the trees you add is that right. that's something she doesn't really get an opportunity to do. Like, right. yeah. in post-production she could do stuff, but that's not her style really. Right. And so it's a significant difference between the conversations I have with my wife and she's taught right. me tons about, you know, framing, framing photos and making sure I get a good shot. And even now I'm like, uh, I don't know how to shoot this well. Can you shoot this better? Right. And she's yeah. like, sure. I'm like, thanks, sweetie. <laughs> so if you see good thumbnails on my on my YouTube channel, she took them. The yeah, bad right. thumbnails, I took them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are, let's see, we're at, nice. Oh, man, it's been a while. Hour and a half in, just under an hour and a half. Um, Sean, do you have a recommendation for our listeners this I, week? I do. Um Somebody I've been following for a while on Instagram. It's his name is One Wolf Leather. Uh, let me make sure I get that. Let me make sure I get that right. One Wolf Leather. So all one word. One Wolf Leather. Um, spell out the word one O N E. His name is Joe. His he does axes and axe handles and leather work for those axe handles. And his leather work isn't excessively intricate, but it's really clean and really well done. Um, I, I've always enjoyed his, his images and his shots, and I take a lot of inspiration from his sheaths when I'm designing some of my sheaths for the, the axes that I redo. But yeah, check him out, Joe at One Wolf Leather on nice. Instagram. Awesome, thanks. Yeah, that's that's one of the things as as a, a leather worker, um, I don't love working with leather. I love the fact that I can do it myself. Right. I love, again, that just goes back to like wanting to be able to do all the stuff myself. I like the fact that I can buy leather and I can buy all the supplies and I can make it and I can do them pretty well because I'm an artist and because I'm a perfectionist when it comes to creating something, I can do it pretty well. But when I see other people who can do leather and it's really clean, I guess that's the other thing. I can appreciate how much that takes because I've tried to do it Yeah. and I've put like time and effort and screwed up here and there. And I have, I actually have far more screw screwed up leather sheaths and I have like <laughs> knives, you know, because it's just like, I don't know. It's something about like, I enjoy doing it to an extent. You know, I like the fact that I can do it and I like leather as opposed to other things. Um, but it's not my favorite thing because 
you can kind of screw up a little bit. And I feel like you see those screw ups. And um, I guess that's another one of those things that the, the more you get into it, you can get better tools and the better tools for leather really can help to make your work really clean. Um, so I, yeah, I've checked out his stuff and it is really clean and, um, and done well. Like there's an art to that, to like, oh, definitely to do leather that's really to, cleanly. That's what I was going to say is like being able to keep your work that clean is experience based. Like you've right. done it, yeah. you've put it, you've put in the work, you've done it hundreds, thousands of times. Right. And that's your result. Like, cause I, like you said, like I've tried, I have put, I have spent as much time as I can on something and it still comes out looking like somebody like, you know, like right. it's still better than the guy that's not doing anything, but right. it's, yeah. it's not great. It's functional. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's a level of functionality too. Like uh, that's the other thing. Sometimes if I, if I mess up on leather, if it's not like if, you know, the stitching isn't perfectly aligned or whatever, I'm like, well, it's a tool, you know, like, but but that's like the presentation side of the tool. Yeah. So, but yeah. But and it, it sucks to spend that much time on like the knife that goes, that's going into it. Right. Like all the time you spend finishing that and then you make a mistake on the leather. You're like, mm. yeah, right. Exactly. <sighs> I just needed like just the leather. It's just the end thing. Right. And then you like screw it up and yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you bought that um, leather sewing machine, which I don't think yep. you've used yet for a sheet. I haven't. <laughs> I also, I, my, I, after you got that one, I like, Asked my parents for one for Christmas, and that's what they got me for Christmas. Nice. And I've I've spent more time with it than you have. Yeah. But it's still a struggle. Like yeah, yeah. the most recent thing I did came out pretty good. Um, but it was still like I, I was fighting it a right. lot, and yeah, I want it to be an easier process. Yeah. Yeah that that Chinese sewing machine I think has like potential if you can like get one that is made relatively well, and also then like get through wade through all of the like the shit that you have to deal with to to like mm -hmm. either figure it out yourself to get to an end result where you have you know you've come up with the the right you know thread strength and needle size and speed of like cut and you've you know, modified the foot so it doesn't fuck up the surface of your leather and i, I sanded all that back off and <laughs> right, it fucked exactly. up my surface of my leather again I'm like yeah. damn it so there's there's a lot of like stuff on YouTube about those because they are potentially a really awesome tool for a really cheap price, um, but you got to put the effort into it. But yeah. the effort that it takes to hand stitch leather sheaths is is more than what most people want. So <laughs> so like that's what draws us into this machine that could possibly do it for you. So I'm I actually uh, uh, another a, a guy. Um, a company, a small company reached out to me and they have a, uh, um, a kit that you can add on to the Chinese leather sewing machines that can like help you out and like helps to make them better. So they're actually sending me or they sent a product that I uh, can add on to that leather sewing machine. That I really haven't had a chance to get into it. And I want to do them justice because they sent me this thing right. out of like the kindness of their heart. So I want to be able to do like a video on it and stuff. So I'm waiting to do it, but um, that has the potential of making it like that much better. So we'll see. Yeah. Let me know how that goes. Yeah. Cause yeah, <laughs> I keep, I keep changing stuff on mine to try to make it, make it function a little smoother. All right. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, speaking of leather, I actually also have a leather worker to recommend this week. So my recommendation is JC Messer. Um, he's an awesome leather worker. He's actually, um, I think JC is also part of, uh, whiskey rivers, um, 
forget what he calls it. It's it's like their their trading company, the Whiskerby Trading Company, mm-hmm. where they have a bunch of different makers and people from around the country who contribute to basically, you know, they'll have like a knife maker and a leather worker and whatever else. So a bunch of people work together on projects and then they can sell those things. So they all make money based off of what they're working on. And then, you know, and then Brandon from uh, Whiskey River sells them on his website or the forum, whatever it is. So JC Messer is one of the guys who does leather work for him. And um, his his Instagram is Mester, Messer Custom Leather, M-E-S-S-E-R Custom Leather on Instagram. And uh, JC is just a really awesome dude. He, um, I've been following his work for a long time and uh, just happened to catch him and Brandon Roost. They had like a Instagram live thing six months ago or eight months ago. And, and I popped on and saw him and, and it was cool because at the time, um, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast, but, uh, he reached out to me afterward. Cause I was, I was in the pot, I was in their Instagram live video and I was kind of chatting with some of the other people in, in the, uh, in the comment section. And then afterward I had a few different people reach out to me and say that they like really liked the podcast, you know, JC including that. So it was kind of cool to know that there were people in the community that were listening, right. whether or not we have tons of listens every week or not. We know that there are some quality people listening and, and people that, you know, were interested in, I'm, I've been interested in his work for a long time. So it was really kind of, you know, it was, it was humbling and interesting at the same time. Yeah. Like, Oh, cool. These people listen to my podcast. Like who knows, you know, it just, I still feel like, you know, we're not, we're not in the very beginning stages of YouTube, but we're still in the kind of early stages of the possibilities of how, how like the potential of what you could, YouTube could do. And our podcast is obviously is a lot, you know, younger in general. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm always, I'm behind all of you for, for, <laughs> for all of that. And I have a lot of fun here on the podcast. I had a fun, you know, I had a ton of fun a year ago nice. and would love to get a podcast going. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, like I can sit here and talk to you forever yeah. about tools, about shop, about anything. Like yeah. it's just easy to, to just flow and, and go through stuff. And I actually think my videographer, Neil, um, cause I actually do a lot of my stuff off of you guys. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I would, I like this channel. Um, he's, yeah. he's an introvert and like really introverted, but he can put on, like he can turn it on really well. And I mentioned it to him a couple of times. I was like, I feel like if we did a podcast together, you'd be the star of the podcast. <laughs> and I would just sit back and, and like be, be the second voice that comes in. He chuckled about that whole thing. I was like, yeah. But yeah, you know, at this point, we're just trying to find a rhythm on the the filming part of things. Right. Yeah. Gotta get there first. Yeah. Well, it's it's a blast. And and you reached out to me was that a couple of weeks ago when when I like at last minute did the podcast by myself. And you were like, if you ever need someone to do a podcast with you, I'm here. You know, like especially having like two young kids, and we almost always record relatively late at night, right. you know, eight thirty or nine. Like your kids are asleep, and yep. so Devin sent me a message, and we're actually supposed to have our cousin on um, this week. But Devin, the reason why he's not on this week is that he works the Orioles and they have a they have a game tonight, which he actually thought was a day game, but it ended up being a night game. And they have a concert afterwards. So like last week we did record after his after an Orioles game. We I think we ended up starting oh, at that like was 11 a late o'clock. Night. Yeah. So he was like, you know, I'm, I'm doing the game and then there's a concert. So I'm going to be home really late. So I was like contemplated doing the podcast with my cousin jesse who's going to be on with us um but then i reached out to him and i was like we could do it just the two of us but 
the fun part is like because he's family right. i wanted it to be the three right. of us you know like it's the two of us with our cousins so and he agreed so we're gonna postpone which is fine um and we have some other guests coming up on the podcast which will be fun too but uh but yeah this is fun it's always fun to talk to you and yeah. you're always welcome to no, join I, us, so i i was super excited um yeah i usually get a day every week with dustin no matter what because we sail together on right. wednesdays yep. and dustin had back to school night last night yeah. sailing <laughs> and so uh <laughs> So somehow every every time Dustin has back to school night, which is the only time he ever misses sailing, right? <laughs> we always have really high winds, and I'm always doing Dustin's job when he's gone. <laughs> which and is, I swear, like my in the pit. my yeah. hands still hurt today, <laughs> which means I need to lift more heavy things more often. Because gosh darn it, <laughs> yeah, you guys had some pretty good wind that. Oh night man, too. we it, were pushing it. Yeah. Like my watch had us going nine one or nine four. Nice. Um, and we s- definitely saw like eight five eight plus right, um, yeah. eight five plus on the GPS, but yeah, we were hauling last night. Yeah, yeah, I, I I hate to miss out. We only have a few more races in the season. I hate to miss out, but you know, such is life. It actually this week, so we had there was so my school has a middle school and a high school, and the middle school back to school night was on Tuesday, and the high school back to school night was on mm. Wednesday. I was like, ah, you couldn't be switched. Now I sail on both nights, Tuesday and Wednesday, so I still got to <laughs> sail on Tuesday, but. If I had to choose between the two, right, we sail on Wednesdays on our boat. That's the boat that right. I own with my brother and our friend, and that's the one Sean sails with us. And then on Tuesday nights, I sail with a crew um, that I've been sailing with for a few years, but not like the boat I've been sailing on since high school, you know, or not the boat, but the team. So, right. like, if I had to choose between the two, I'd obviously go with the boat that I own, um, but... You know, we got to miss occasionally, but uh, well, we got the gun without you. Yeah, nice. <laughs> that was a fun <laughs> there night. you go. Nice, fun night. So you did a well enough job, whether or not you, <laughs> whether your arms are sore or not. <laughs> uh, it's not my arms; it's just my hands. It's your it's hands. My yeah, it's the constant gripping. Yeah. yeah. And well, there wasn't like the wind was so heavy. I really we weren't adjusting much right, upwind. Yeah. Um, it was basically like tuck it in and lock it down. Yeah, right. Um, because even like uh, we had Tim come out again. Yep. And Tim was struggling on the winch and i i don't think i would have been any different or charles would have been any different right. winch like it was just so heavy there's that much tension wind. in yeah. it right. that it was get it in as fast as possible and, and then, then just go <laughs> like go as fast <laughs> yeah, as possible right. yeah um, yeah no that's fun well it's a good night yeah i'll be back next week we've got a couple more weeks of sandwich will be awesome and uh yeah all right guys well that is it. Thank you so much, Sean, for joining us. My pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Always a pleasure. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you back. Sean is our first repeating guest, which is <laughs> awesome. And this technically this is the third time you recorded with us because yeah, but- everyone knows the last time we had two to get one, which was <laughs> fine. But but uh, yeah, so you're definitely always welcome back. This is fun. It's great. You know, the nice thing, too, is that, you know, as being a good friend of mine, you're familiar with like what's going on in our lives and all on the yeah. channel. And I, you're the one, you're the first one who knows about what we're doing for the channel before maybe even Nicole, like she doesn't I really mean, care. Like, I mean, I like, warned you, you about next? those spring hinges on the, the yeah. toy box. I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't think those are weighted for, <laughs> right. you know, anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, all right guys. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Please make sure you, uh, go over and follow Sean on Instagram at crafting a life I want and go check him out on YouTube. He has hit a thousand subscribers so he can make some money now. So go watch some more videos. <laughs> Don't skip those ads. I always tell people to skip my ads cause it doesn't really make a difference or making like percentages of a penny for each video 
for each person who watches, but if everyone watches the ads, then you make a lot of money. So go uh, go uh, subscribe to Sean and leave him some comments. All that stuff makes a difference for our channel. And uh, go over and check us out on Instagram. You can follow myself, The Art of Craftsmanship, and then also Devin at The Art of Camera Guy. You know, I'll be both at Maker Camp this year, so everyone go and check out Maker Camp. And if you're not there, then he and I will be shooting a video while we are there, so you'll be able to get some uh, some fun in-person fun questions. We're going to ask some people some fun stuff, so you can check that out. Um, and uh, if you guys want to support what we do for the Art of Craftsmanship, go check us out on Patreon, um, the Art of Craftsmanship at Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Art of Craftsmanship. And uh, same thing with Sean. You can do the same thing if you want to. If you if you are a fan of Sean's work over at the Crafting Life Crafting Life, I want go check him out, and you can uh, go and support him as well. So, Sean, it's always a pleasure. Thanks, Dustin. Everybody else, we will talk to you guys next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.